Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all very, very well on this Saturday evening. Roy, here with you until 7 o'clock. A hectic day of sports today. We're going to cover it all or do our very best to anyway. Plenty of action in the Premier League. We've had the Grand National Ireland in action against Italy in the Women's Six Nations. We'll keep an eye on that. Lots coming up on the show. Then look back on Cork City's defeat to UCD last night. A dreadful result for the Rebel Army on the road, losing to bottom of the table. UCD will talk to former Cork City striker Greg. Comments about that a little bit later on. We are going to talk uh, Gaelic games. We're going to hear from the Cork ladies under 16s as well after their win today over Limerick. Going to look ahead to Cork and Galway tomorrow in the very Camogie League Division 1 final and a lot more besides that as well. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Thank you indeed for tuning in to us on this Saturday evening. We're here until 7pm and if you would like to get in touch 086-8104-106 is the place to send your text. A lot to cover over uh, the next 60 minutes as I mentioned. Seven games today in the Premier League and the first or the last of which is over already and there's only half an hour on the clock. It's Manchester City 3, Leicester 0. Erling Haaland has scored twice. The human cheat code himself beautiful second goal from him scored his first from the uh, penalty spot uh, before John Stones uh, had put uh, City ahead or after John Stones put City ahead I should say after five minutes so Erling Haaland just, he's ridiculous he's absolutely ridiculous he's in there for another chance but uh, it's cleared away but Man City 3 Leicester nil, and it's just coming up on half an hour gone on the clock there plenty of big results uh, especially where the relegation battle is concerned um, let's hear from Goodison where Shane Pennington was watching Everton getting beaten by Fulham it's Everton 1 Fulham 3 and that should be that now for Marco Silva's side who've got a third goal courtesy of Dan James a long ball forward fell into James's path after it came off Michael Keane a kind of flexion for the visitors but Dan James did his best and took it away past Jordan Pickford into the left-hand bottom corner of the net and surely that will seal the three points now for the visitors. It's Everton 1, Fulham 3. That was an early report, but that is indeed how it finished. Everton won Fulham 3 and Everton in massive, massive trouble uh, heading into uh, the last couple of games. There's seven games left. They are only out of the relegation zone on goal difference. Um, uh, well, 27 points. Nottingham Forest with 27 points. They have a game in hand. It's uh, not looking good for Everton as things stand at the moment. Bournemouth have won a dramatic game against Tottenham. Guy Swindles. Spurs 2, Bournemouth 3. An absolutely extraordinary match. Spurs will wonder how on earth they didn't get anything out of this one. Son gave them the lead in the 17th minute, but brilliant fight back from Bournemouth. Wiener in his first start for the club, equalised with a lovely finish after being set up by Solanke. Solanke himself gave Bournemouth the lead just after the break, after he was set up by Tavernier. But then it was one-way traffic. Spurs eventually equalising through Dan Juna's wonderful volley from the edge of the box. They then thought they'd won it when Richarlison scored, but that was offside. Richarlison 
then headed wide when it looked easier to score, which left Utara to have the final word, set up by Solanke, sent his defender one way on the left foot and then curled it a lovely right foot finish to make it Spurs 2, Bournemouth 3. Another defeat for Chelsea, another defeat for Frank Lampard back in interim charge, Michael Lawrence. Chelsea 1, Brighton 2, Brighton chalk up their first ever league win at Stamford Bridge taking all three points in style courtesy of Julio Inciso's long-range screamer on 69 minutes. It leaves Chelsea caretaker manager Frank Lampard still looking for his first win with Real Madrid visiting here on Tuesday night in the Champions League. But Brighton's own quest for European qualification continues, having dominated possession and goal-scoring opportunities here. Full-time, Chelsea 1, Brighton 2. Good one for Wolves today. You'd imagine that's going to see them say if they've beaten Brentford and Frank Watson was watching. Wolves 2, Brentford 0. Wang He Chan on as a substitute, scoring within three or four minutes of his introduction. Possibly his first touch. Brilliant run from Mateus Nunes on the right, cutting into the box, squared the ball across. Brentford defender got his foot to it, but it fell to uh, Huang just three or four yards out, and he slotted home. Costa's goal in the first half had given Wolves the lead. Brentford have made several substitutions, had one opportunity in the second half when Yuan Visser curled a shot into the wall to the top corner, but it was comfortably saved by Saar in the Wolves' goal. Long way back for the visitors now. Wolves 2, Brentford 0. Southampton look like they are going down beaten today by Crystal Palace. Alan Lewis. It's finished Southampton 0. Crystal Palace 2, a massive blow to Southampton's fight against the drop. Palace fully deserving of their victory. After a largely forgettable first half, Eberichi Eze put Palace in front, a tap-in after Bazunu had palmed away Ayu's cross. Eze then got a second, a wonderful goal from 20 yards out into the bottom corner. Southampton tried to get back in it. Alcaraz hit the post. Bella Kochat forced a good save from Johnston. But in truth, for a team supposedly fighting for their Premier League survival, Southampton were woeful. A third win in a row for Palace and Roy Hodgson surely safe now. It's finished Southampton nil, Crystal Palace 2. A great win for Aston Villa today as they chase European football for next season. Uh, they beat uh, Newcastle earlier on today. 3-0 was how that finished this afternoon. Tom Ross is watching. Aston Villa 3, Newcastle United 0. Villa putting on their best performance of the season to demolish a Newcastle side that had won five on the spin and were third in the Premier League. Two goals from Ollie Watkins, absolute beaut, and a goal from Jacob Ramsey made the difference. But it wasn't just that, they had other great chances and this could have been an embarrassing day for Newcastle United and I'm talking six or seven. Newcastle never allowed to get into the rhythm they need to, never allowed to play at the pace they needed to play at. Aston Villa 3, Newcastle United 0. And it remains Man City 3, Leicester 0. So things stand there at the moment. Just looking at everything else that uh, happened today. And the SSC Tristy League of Ireland Women's Premier Division Cork City taking on Piemont United at Turner's Cross. It's Piemont leading 2-0 there. Commiserations College Corinthians beaten today in the FAI Youth Cup final. Uh, the young uh, Corinthians side lost by a goal to nil against St. Joseph's today. Great uh, achievement in getting to the final. Great performance today. Uh, so commiserations, lad, hold, lads, hold your heads up very, very high indeed. In Gaelic Games, the very Camogie League's Division 2B final Corks Intermediates facing Kilkenny today that finished 1-7 apiece 
that replay will be next week in the Ulster Football Championship semi-final for Manor and Derry going head to head at half time it was uh, Derry leading 2-9 to 5 points Ireland looking for their first win in the TikTok Women's Six Nations today they are taking on Italy uh, not looking good though for Ireland it is Italy 14 Ireland nil. they're into the second half uh, in that game in Parma elsewhere uh, England have beaten Wales 59-3 in Cardiff Munster in action in the URC today they are taking on the uh, Stormers that game kicked off at 5.15 we could just score on that one just a couple of seconds uh, elsewhere Lions and Leinster today Leinster picking up their first one in South Africa as they uh, won 39-36 last gasp penalty uh, from Sam Pendergast seeing them get the win uh, it's Munster 12 Stormers 5 is how things stand there at the moment uh, 42 minutes on the clock just into the uh, or just uh, approaching half time there uh, Leinster meanwhile have announced that South Africa coach Jacques Nienaber will join their backroom team next season he had the Springboks World Cup glory in 2019 he'll succeed outgoing assistant coach Stuart Lancaster in snooker and it's the uh, start of the World Championship Championship uh, this weekend and uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan uh, in action today. He's taking on China's Pang Junju. And in racing, the 8 to 1 favourite, Cora Grambler with Sligoman Derek Fox in the saddle has won the Aintree Grand National. That's Fox's second Grand National win. Uh, after one for Arthur six years ago the showpiece race delayed after protesters breached heavy security to get on to the tracks so the race started with 10 minutes late there earlier on Davy Russell as well confirming his temporary comeback would end after the entry festival Right, that's pretty much everything that happened uh, today. We're going to look back, though, on uh, Cork City's defeat last night uh, as they were beaten uh, by UCD uh, thanks to an early goal. They finished UCD 1, Cork City nil. A case of, I suppose, one step forward and two steps back for City this week after beating Dundalk on Monday and um, putting in a good performance and then losing to UCD last night aside they had... Um, already beaten 4-0 we're bottom of the table and now it makes things very interesting at the bottom end of the table so pressure mounting a little bit on Colin Healy this was his reaction when he spoke on LOI TV afterwards and after this we're going to hear uh, from uh, former Cork City striker Graham Cummins uh, who spoke to me yeah I know we, uh, we, had, we had a lot of possession um, but you know probably a lot of it was in front of them um, they were difficult to break down um, and then when we probably did go direct do you know who's um they were into the headers and they were picking up seconds like so since it's frustrating night um, I think we gave away I know he's got a good strike you know outside the box but I thought we could have done better with it but it's um, yeah listen it's more points drops and it's, um, it's I, I think overall probably a poor performance uh, they got their strike after 54 seconds and they're only averaging half a goal a game yeah no listen it's um, we, we know he's got he's got a good striking but I still think that we should um, do better to keep it out in there now um it, it, every game is a tough game in this and uh, you've got a home game next week I believe yeah you know we were, we're, we're, a, we're a home to Derry um, which is supposed to be as you said every game is tough um, but it's um, we need to come back in Monday we need to regroup and uh, we need to get focused for the Derry game and uh, Derry administered a lesson to us here in, in the bowl maybe being his 4-0 yeah, listen, Derry can do that. They're a quality side, you know. So, um, yeah, they've um, got a lot of uh, good players. So, yeah, they, they can do that, the teams. Uh, the one thing you have in your favour is they've only got a five-day turnaround because they're playing on Sunday. 
yeah, listen, let that one matter, not at this level. Anyway, they got a, they got a big squad, and listen, they'll recover. And um, listen, it'll be a big game turns across right now. Do you have any uh, long-term injury worries that might be available to you next week that have been sidelined heretofore? No, 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 no. Uh, at the moment, uh, we have obviously Keane Barry was out tonight with a bit of a groin injury, and and Toby, the goalkeeper, as well. So um, that's about it. Yeah, because um, Bardry had a very good record for you scoring against UCD, particularly here at the bowl. Yeah, no, he has, and you know he he had a bit of a groin injury before before the Dundalk game but we played him um, and he probably lasted about probably 60-70 minutes so we took him off and it, it flared up so he wasn't right for tonight so hopefully that he'll be okay for the Derry game But given you were able to beat Dundalk hopefully from your standpoint you can bounce back and do the same thing to Derry Yeah, that's what we have to do that's what we have to do it'll be difficult but we've got to regroup and we got to go again and they have to regroup and they have to go again that is uh, this coming Friday night at Turner's Cross hopefully a big crowd will be there to, to cheer uh, Derry City on they play Dundalk tomorrow at 3pm um, in what should be uh, a good game but um, hopefully Cork City can get back on track it's been a, a frustrating season here too far but last night's result very very poor indeed uh, Graham Cummins former Cork City striker uh, joins me on the line now he's been waiting patiently uh, to talk to us about that defeat to UCD and indeed uh, Derry's game on Friday you can read Graham's report uh, in the Echo uh, today and on echolive.ie Graham, how are you sir? I'm good Rory, how are you? Good and thanks very much for, for joining us on the Big Red Bench today oh, wow. um, No two ways, there's no there's no way of sugarcoating this Graham. that was a terrible result for Cork City last night It was um, I've been honest, like I thought going up there that after the Dundalk game even though it wasn't a great performance the lads would have a lot of confidence that they could get that victory and like, I know people might call me pessimistic, but I'd be saying you're pulling away from UCD at the relegation zone. They probably would have finished UCD off, saying, like, they wouldn't have had any belief, I think, after that, that they could have got out of that automatic spot. But no, they probably have. Um, just, I don't know, it's just the start of the game, really, wasn't it? I mean, an early goal, it was, I think myself, I think it was a sloppy pass. Like, I don't know why Aaron needs to give Joe the ball in that mm. position with two fellas up him. Um, and like what more could Joe do he loses the ball like I'm not going to blame him for that he's young he's two players on him he was brave enough to try and take the ball but I mean Aaron's got to skip him out there and then it's it's a good strike but it's it's too much time again at the edge of the box and it's just they never looked like they were going to score after that which was the most disappointing thing again when Rory goes off at half time you kind of go oh in fairness Tundee came on he looked he did something for like a few minutes again at the start but then after that like there was nothing I think Colin kind of said it after the game they did a lot of possession but everything in front of them like it was very comfortable for City in the end Yeah just one attempt on target from Cork City in the 90 minutes kind of I suppose tells its own story against the team bottom of the table a team they've already beaten 4-0 this season Graham yeah, like well, that, like I think UCD would have been hurting from that. I think they would have once you get the goal as well. You know, obviously City are going up there; they're favourites going into the game. That they'll have to go after UCD, and that early goal changes the whole mindset. Then it gives UCD something to hang on to. I think if City go there, they get that goal. UCD's heads probably drop, and it's an easy night for them, an easy victory. But it didn't turn out like that. And like you said, one shot and target isn't good enough. I know the pitch was. It looked absolutely dreadful, in fairness to the lads, and it wasn't probably great to try and play through and neat intricate passes. But you know, it was kind of like I've been there myself. I think the players they didn't believe they were going to get get a goal because every time the ball kind of went out of play or just ran ahead of them, 
their heads dropped and I've been there myself you have that body language where you just go we're not going to get back into this like and as bad as it is you kind of start feeling sorry for yourself going like oh like I I can't get us out of this and you're looking around to a teammate going like hopefully he could drag me out of it and there was no one there and like again like I said I think a real big thing was when Keats went off at half time and he's been a massive leader from I think every time he's on the pitch he chases everything he makes he makes mm. something out of nothing and they kind of looked around I think last night and they were probably saying to themselves who's going to score her and there was no one you were kind of confident was going to get get on that score sheet. Well, was Keating withdrawn because of an injury, Graham, or was it tactical? It has to be an injury. Mm. It has to be. That's that's my sense of it. I, I don't think if you're losing the game, even if you, even he wasn't, even if he was the worst player on the pitch and you're losing the game, you don't take off your yeah. top score. Even, even if he was saying, I'm tired, you'd still say to him, just give me 10, 15 minutes start to the second half, I'll take you off, but... I need you on the pitch for a presence, so it has to be an injury. There's otherwise, I don't know. You'd never take off your goal score when you're losing one nil. Uh, as you were mentioning, Graham, there is just uh, the lack of belief, I suppose, in the Cork City squad at the moment uh, is, is massively affecting them. Um, when you have been in a team, Graham, that has suffered from a lack of belief, how hard is it to get out of that rut? It, it is very hard. I mean, I was I was in that dressing room in 2019. Um, when we actually got relegated, nor went there for very long. But you needed togetherness on the pitch. You need togetherness in the dressing room. I don't think that was there this time. I don't think the dressing room is bad. I do think the lads are together. It's very hard because you go in every week and you're like, maybe we should try something else instead of training. We should just go and do a team bonding session. Like that's important, which which it is. But I think this team are very together. I just think like. You can see it from Monday night. The first goal in games is just massive for City now because they'll have something to hang on to if they do score early or first in the game, sorry. Whereas if they go behind, I think they're just like in that sense of like, what's going to happen now? They need, you need back-to-back wins. You need one or two wins together to start going. Like, I mean, you don't like... It's it's so hard that like you know Monday wasn't that long away that they didn't get that much time to like enjoy if that makes any sense. Yeah, Beating yeah, yeah. Dundalk, they were literally back in training. It's like oh we have to focus now again. I know it's a bad rut for a week again where it's they're going into a game with a week off. So you need to kind of win, enjoy your week, and then another win, and then it goes again. So they have to try and get back to back wins. Mm-hmm. That's my aim because if they if they beat Derry on Friday, which is a massive, massive ask, and then they go lose the next game again, that feeling's just back, so it doesn't stay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I suppose um, pressure growing on Colin Healy as well with when the Cork City are on, particularly after losing to um, to UCD last night. So he's going to be under pressure to turn things around very, very quickly, Graham. Yeah, well, like, I think every single manager... In football at the moment is under pressure. I mean, you look at the Premier League in England and there's some ridiculous things. Like, I mean, I think Colm's under pressure when you look back to it two years ago when he first like took over and he was in the first division and people were kind of saying, oh, we're questioning him and look how it turned out. I, I honestly feel at the moment that the players are leaving him down a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of like I said, he can't be on the pitch last night instilling that belief in them that you can cross a ball, you can go past your man, you can run as hard as someone, 
they need to know that. I just think I wouldn't be like I know fans are going to be like, oh, he needs like he needs to buck up. And believe me, he will be criticizing himself. He'll pick his flaws out. But like, I think the players need to do more for him. They really do at the moment. He has been kind of let down with him. Like I said, if experience has taught me anything, like from watching him, it's okay. He had a spell in the first division. He learned from it. He moved on. He improved the team. Mm-hmm. He'll, I think this he's learning as he's going. Remember, this is his first year properly in the Premier Division as manager. The person I would kind of nearly like in my head, and just because they had kind of similar careers, successful playing is like you look at Damien Duff last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shell's that the very poor. Everyone kind of questioned them straight away, saying, "Oh, he, he obviously doesn't know what he's doing." They were one of the teams I was very impressed with when City played this year. He's doing a great job. It takes time. It's just again. The only issue maybe is the recruitment side. Could the players been better that he needed to bring in? I I think he definitely he's probably saying saying to himself, I need to get to the summer and I need at least three or four. Like so, mm. that's probably when you probably get a better indication of how they would get on. Like how Colin will have the squad then because a lot of it is the first division players. I think he's been extremely loyal to him, which again you have every right to be. But secretly he'll be probably saying to himself. I'm learning more about my players now who is up to it and who isn't and you'll probably need the summer that's why it is important for time you can't just like you can't blame a manager for trusting lads that's one of my league mm. do you know what I mean and they have not repaid that trust yeah. is how I would say it exactly yeah. but look I suppose patience I suppose is needed as well there's no point in like making a knee jerk decision now because I mean like we're 10 games in you're 4 points away from, from bottom but at the same time you're only 6 points away from the European spot so it is a very tight league Graham it's, it's a ridiculous league at the moment I mean like I said it if City can finish eight in the table it's a successful season yeah. I'd expect Dundalk to lose to Derry after what I saw uh, so there'll be only two behind them. I still think they'll pull Clare UCD. I, I don't think they'll have any fear about going down automatically. So it was, like I said, I said it in my preview, I think that people need to be patient. Look, Colin, like I said, trusted the lads who gone to the first division. You would always say that. If he brought in seven or eight new faces, people would have been complaining, saying that, like, oh, there's no loyalty in football. Like, all these lads got them up, and they got them up comfortably. Let's be honest, like, they... They had that first division on a canto last year. Mm. They really, like, I know it was kind of neck and neck with Galway for a bit of Waterford, but you never saw him losing it. So it, it's a, it's an insane league. I mean, like Tim Clancy a few weeks ago, I remember being at a game and they lost, they, they had a heavy defeat and then they lost another game. They lost heavy to Dundalk and then you're thinking, he's got to go. He's going to be gone. And now I'm thinking in my head going, geez, I fancy Pats for the league. So it's just... Mm. It can turn like that, so like I wouldn't be. I don't think there's any need for any knee jerk reaction. I mean, it's it's a it's a case of at the moment. I think, and I, I I don't like. I wouldn't say all the players. I just think some players have let him down, and I just think he's realizing no. And I think fans are realizing some of these players aren't up to Premier Division football. There is a massive gap between it. I in my head, if I had looked last year, I would have thought a lot of lads. Look, he's good enough for the Premier Division. I know I've kind of changed my mind. So it's sorry I for a manager who sees him every day. And like I said, they've been successful for him. And then him to turn around mm. and say, I need to get rid of you. And he probably will do that before the end of the season. And he's going to be ruthless. He is, he is, he's not going to have, like, he, he knows he's given them their chance, which is fair. And he will change that now. And, uh, 
Friday night Turners Cross Derry City in town hopefully a big crowd Graham and hopefully I suppose mm. again a patient crowd because if the crowd run City's backs from the, 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 the minute from minute one it's going to make things a lot harder for, for, for City you know like I, I think the crowd I said that I think they've been extremely patient this season um, like they've I've not seen them get on the players' backs mm. at all. Uh, I think it helped again the Dundalk game that they went ahead. It, if they'd gone behind, I would have liked to have seen the reaction, what it be like then. But I think the fans have been fantastic. Like In terms of they are been patient with the players. I mean, from years ago, it's expected the minimum was you'd win the league. I've played with lads who were with City. I, the fans would probably know them. And they've won major honours with City and were excellent. The minute one thing went bad for the player, they were on his back. I think with Friday night, do you know what? It, it actually might suit City. Going into that game, they're on the dogs. They're not expected to have possession of the ball. All fans are going to expect is look that they walk hard, they put their foot in, which they're well able to do. It's just that bit of quality on the ball that they don't have that other teams do have. But like you've seen against Dundalk, once they walk hard, they can match teams for walk effort. And it probably will suit them, I think, just sitting in, trying to suck up the pressure and just... No one's expecting anything of the players. There's probably less pressure on the players, if that makes sense. No, although they've had a bad result, people aren't going to expect them to win. I don't think there's a Cox City fan out there who would probably like, no, we're better than Derry. We should be going into this game, winning this game. They'd be happy to take a point right now. All right, you can read Graham's report on echolive.ie. Graham Cummins, thanks very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Hi, thanks, Rory. Yes, I'm Graham. Uh, Graham Cummins there. Um, yeah, City against Derry City Friday night, turn us across. Hopefully, a big crowd for that one. 7.45 quick off live on LOI TV as well. If you can't make it, myself and Philip Long on commentary. Half time, Man City leading Leicester. And City looking very, very comfortable. Turn Stanage. Man City 3, Leicester nil. The champions in total control here at the break. Surely heading uh, just three points from the top in a comfortable game. John Stones kicked things off he fired home after a partially cleared corner before Haaland scored from the spot on 12 minutes VAR spotted an Ndidi handball from a Grealish cross Haaland scored again on 24 minutes fed by Kevin De Bruyne a slotted on past the advancing keeper the visitors have barely got forward fires fired over after a free kick that was the closest they've come they're probably thankful it's only three in that first half Man City three less than nil and uh, just some latest scores Derry and Fermanagh in the Championship Derry 3-15 Fermanagh 2-6 Niels the Championship uh, semi-final that is uh, how things stand there after about uh, 60 minutes on the clock elsewhere in the Women's Six Nations it's uh, Italy leading Ireland 17 points 2-0 and Piemont are leading Cork City uh, Turners Cross in the Women's National League by 2 goals 2-0 going to talk out of games uh, Cork's uh, LGFA under 60 Today had to dig deep to overcome Limerick in the uh, Sharon O'Keefe under 16B A final at Mallow Cork settling into a month to decide on which Claude O'Flaherty and Cleena McMara goals proved crucial in their 2-11-2-8 win. Ger McCarthy was there, the hardest working person in the business is our Ger. He's been speaking to co-manager Kenneth Burns and captain Ava Ashman. I'm here with the victorious Cork under 16 captain Ava Ashman and one of the co-managers Kenneth Burns following Cork's fantastic Munster LGFA final 2-11-2-8 victory over Limerick Ava first to you congratulations um, how tough a game was that? Um, yeah it was a really tough game we knew Limerick would put it up to us and they really did and we had to keep going to the end and the match was close all the way to the end so they're a great opposition and from your own point of view what's it been like training with this group throughout the year? Oh, it's been an absolutely brilliant experience. Um, I can't give the girls enough credit. They're a great team. Um, 
with the dedication was great and I think we've come so much as a team from the very first time we played we've developed brilliantly um, you're glad that they created this Munster Championship for the second tier of under 16 players that gave you an outlet to play the wear the famous Cork jersey you must be very proud oh yeah definitely it's a great honour to wear the Cork jersey and it gave it all enough, another lot of us a chance the, with the B tournament so I think it was a great success and we all very much appreciate it how hard were the coaches on you this year? Um, they were hard and they needed to be on us and to be fair they have definitely brought us along so it was good but we had great crack as well so it was all great well done and congratulations on winning a provincial championship uh, and for captaining Cork. Thank you very much. Right, I'll turn to Kenneth Burns, uh, one of the co-managers. Um, look, this has been a, a tournament uh, gave a panel of players an opportunity to show what they could do and keep them in the mind of the under-16 coaches, uh, both A and B. It's been a success in that regard. Yeah, it's been a fabulous success. It's a great honour to, to, to be a coach for this panel, but it's an amazing achievement for the Munster LGFA to put together this uh, under-16B process for all of the counties, to have so many players uh, in all of the counties uh, playing very well, uh, playing football at a high level, and developmentally uh, improving their game. Um, from your own point of view as well, you had a big panel, not an easy thing to do, but you made important substitutions at, time, at uh, important times today. Cassandra Fisher coming on, making a big impact, and uh, a late goal from another substitute as well. Yes, the late goal was by Kleena. It was a, <clears throat> there are a fabulous uh, panel of players. It's very difficult uh, at this level to be choosing the top 15, uh, but you have to have a top 15, but they were un- unbelievable impact subs. It's very difficult on the players who didn't get a game today, but they've had a, an amazing championship, and all of the players across the whole panel have contributed in all of the games. And a particular credit to Limerick today, it was a cracking match. Yeah, they really put it up to you, and as you said, each of the counties having, it just shows the popularity of ladies football, that you've got two panels at under-16 level? Uh, sure, yeah, it shows the popularity, and hopefully this, uh, this uh, tournament will grow as the years go on, and hopefully uh, maybe development, development into a, a national championship. We certainly hope so. Ava, just finish with you, from your point of view, um, as a player, an opportunity, as we said, to wear the Cork jersey is always important, but the fact that you had a whole championship to play, how important do you think that is? Um, I think it's, it's very important. It keeps girls very interested in sport. Um, it's, it is a great honour to wear the Cork jersey, and I think we all felt that. So um, it's very proud moments for us, and yeah, it's great to get the opportunity. Well done, and enjoy the celebrations tonight, and however long they go on. And we'll talk to you again soon. Well done. Well, as always, you can check out Jeremy McCarthy's Women in Sport podcast on redfm.ae and on the Big Red Bench podcast stream every Thursday at 12. And that was um, the under-16 Cork LGFA, under-16B co-manager Kenneth Burns and the captain Ava Ashman after their win today over uh, Limerick in the Munster final. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, going to look ahead to Cork and Galway tomorrow in the uh, Camogie League final. And uh, we're going to talk basketball as well. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Stormers have leveled things up against Munsters. 12 apiece. Their formats gone in the second half. Ireland have gotten a try. Penalty try as well. After some good work from Ireland. It's now Italy 17. Ireland 7, 10 minutes to go, 10 points down. Can Ireland do it? It'll be a fantastic result. They get something out of that game. Elsewhere, it's uh, Derry 3-17 uh, for Mana 2-8. And that game is approaching full time. And uh, Cork City uh, continue to trail P. Mountainland by two goals to nil at Turner's Cross. In fact, the City have just gotten one back. Lauren Walsh uh, with a great finish into the bottom corner. So it's Cork City 1, P. Mount 2. 
two and they're 76 minutes on the clock there at the cross and second half just puts it underway at the Etihad Man City leading Leicester by three goals to nil now we're going to talk Camogie Cork facing Galway in tomorrow's very Camogie League Division 1 final John McCarthy's been getting the latest from the Rebels camp from Cork boss Matthew Timmy now here on the Big Red Bench ahead of Cork's uh, very Ireland National Camogie League Division 1 final against Galway in Croke Park. We're delighted to be joined once again by the Cork Senior Manager, Matthew Toomey. Matthew, how are you? I'm very good, Joe. Thank you. Good to talk to you again. Thank you for taking the time. A uh, very busy time for you and the backroom team and the senior squad because you're heading for Croke Park uh, on Sunday where you take on Galway in a repeat of last year's final. So I guess the first question I have for you, um, you know, up until your final league match uh, in Parky Cueve recently when Galway needed to win and did manage to win. Um, you know, that was the first taste of defeat for this particular panel this year. They clearly didn't like it. Is it a case heading into this league final, I'm not going to use the word revenge, but heading into this league final, are you in a good place as a manager because you know your team are motivated to atone for that defeat? You obviously want to win a trophy too, but um, is that is that really the kind of the message that you're going in? Look, we need, we need to atone for what happened the last day. Yeah, I, I I think the players have brought that themselves um, to training. By the way, they trained for the last few weeks. Um, they were disappointed in losing the game um, in the manner I suppose we lost the game as well. But um, no, they've trained extremely well since. Like um, Galway are a quality side. They're very experienced and, and you know they needed to come down to Park Keith after Tipperary losing on the Saturday and to win. And to be fair to them, they got it. Um, like we gave them a soft goal and and you know you you, you can't afford to make mistakes like that against. You know any team in the Camogie, you know, especially these tight games. So, look, we got caught for what the way we played. So, look, we are looking to atone, I suppose. Look, it's a league final. Um, I suppose we're, 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 when you're there, you know, you you, you want to make it, you know performance for yourselves. Like, and you know, as we keep saying, if we if we put in a good enough performance, um, it'll be take a good team to beat us. Like, but you know, anything less, we're going to be in trouble. Um, are you. Are you happy with the consistency that you've gotten out of the five league games, the last defeat apart? Because you've had different challenges in different settings. I mean, the the way you played in the rag to be Tipperary, the performance you put in against Kilkenny and Kilkenny. Now, I know teams aren't up to full speed just yet, but from your point of view, have you and your management team got out of the league what you were looking for heading into this final? Yeah, look, I suppose from last year, we, we changed up an awful lot. Um, so... You know, I, I suppose for, for us to get adapted to that, um, you know, we, we we got a couple of big wins at the start. But when when I suppose we played against the the, the tougher teams, we were just happy with with the character because look, it's very easy to when you when you're playing a new system to get kind of sidetracked from that when the, when the game gets fizzled or teams try to oh, with you. I, I suppose, but I, we were just very very happy the way they they kept the plan, kept the system. Um, you know. That side of things is what you want to get out of the league and get get more players into it. Like we we feel we have a very very strong panel this year. That you know we're, we're down a good few players all year so far, and the players who've come in have made a great name for themselves. And it's going to be very hard to dislodge them from the team, which is exactly what any management wants um, with a panel of players. That there's, there's people fighting for positions everywhere, and and look, we have that this year. Is that the big lesson from the last two All Irelands, uh, Matthew? And so you were so close, but you know that you know the depth of the panel when you look at Galway, when you look at Kilkenny, um, that that might be the thing that gets you over the line this year. Absolutely, you know, it, 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 like we all know at this stage, no, like um, the game, you need more than fifteen, even sixteen, seventeen players. We we want twenty, twenty odd players, and we 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 like we're, we're certainly trying to, to, to get that. Um, we drafted in a couple of lads from the intermediates this year because look, we're down numbers. We're 28 on the panel at, at, at present, including injured players. Um, 
and they brought like they have uh, increased the, 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 the playing on, on, on the, the panel like, so we're, we're hoping that look we, we get we get a right look we have a lot to do yes which is great but like we're, we're getting an opportunity to go to Crow Park and test out players who probably so we didn't at the start of the year you probably said and in the positions there you probably wouldn't be there so look it's, it's a great opportunity for them to shine out as well and just you know do what they're doing here week in week out um, the opportunity to play in Crow Park it's never a bad time to play in Crow Park you know that experience because you're, you're hopefully going to be back there uh, sooner rather or later in the year the fact that it's Galway though and the fact that you've just played them the fact that you met them in last year's league final the fact that you've met each other in an all earned final prior to that you know Cahal Murray he knows you I mean is it a time for ex- experimentation without giving away any secrets or are you looking really to nail this trophy with a view to gaining momentum going into the championship no, I, I suppose look when we look back at the game um you know, tactically they were probably a bit astute to our, our system. Um, they, they obviously seen our games this year, and and tactically they were, they were like you'd have to compliment them. So look, it was a great lesson to us. Um, if we, I suppose, if we went away and beat Galway by seven or eight points, we probably think everything's perfect, which is not, um, and it shouldn't be. You know, when you when you're trying to when you I suppose when you were in match when we played them, um, so we're we're kind of like without throwing too much out like we had to have a look at our side of things and said look yeah when this happened we should have done this and that so look we have a look at it we're, we're, we're going to try a few things obviously but um, but just the principles we're after kind of creating the team and, and, and uh, the manner we play won't be changed one of the things I took from watching uh, you this so far this year, and also watching a few of the other who I would who I would consider contenders, I'm not asking you to say who is or isn't a contender for the All Ireland Championship because this is going to be quite close, is that the standard this year was that a little bit higher? Was that a little bit tougher? Um, granted, each each county that you would expect to get to the final four probably are missing some key players at this time of year through injury or through people away. What's your take on that? Like, was it any bit different to last year in terms of the league, in terms of intensity? I'm, I'm thinking of that Tipperary game. It keeps coming back to me in the rag because other games, Cork got into it. When you got into your stride, Matthew, you started knocking over the scores. But against Tip, you were there for the full 60, 70 minutes against him and you had to dig that out that day. Has it been that bit more of a step up this year or has it been more of the same as far as the league uh, from what you've experienced over the last couple of years? Oh, totally. I, I, like, I, I think the last the league last year, like we, we you know, care we played in, in kind of a, a world when they supposed to whether Limerick were very poor when they came out and played us, we, we, we hammered them and we drew with Kilkenny. So this year we had five games, like they were tough, tough games. Um, so like that, that was definitely plus but the standards, like I suppose every inter-county team now, it's, like, it's not like days gone by. Every team is probably as physically strong, as physically fit. So everyone's able to keep up with you. It's just the quality of the players coming through. Like there's a lot of teams making breakthroughs. Like, like I suppose we were talking last year about Waterford and, and they're, they're setting the, the league on a, a light at the moment. Tipperary certainly were a different team this year compared to what they've been the last couple of years. The, the improvements they've made. So the, the, the standards are raising which is great because we know we can't be complacent in any game we play which is exactly what you want and we want to be tested all the time and we want to keep the foot on the accelerator all the time and that's what you're getting at the moment so it, it is it is definitely improving um, Order Cronin was a welcome return uh, returnee uh, from long term injury there um, against Galway she came on and played a few minutes uh, she's one of those players that hasn't been involved recently Ashton Thompson Katrina Mackey a few others and I know they're on the long term injury list but it must have been refreshing for you to see Orla back out on the pitch again and hopefully she can build on that Absolutely like Orla on, on our day is probably one of the best in the country um, she just this knack when you're watching her playing she glides around the field and, and you know she was a massive loss to us last year Um 
you know, she she's still working her way back. You know, she she's available for selection, but she's not fully there yet. But you know, the difference in the goal in, in a couple of weeks there has been unbelievable. Like, and, and just having her own the place and just being on the training field, it's, just, it's fantastic. And we want to make the most of that. And you know, we will at the same time mind her to make sure we don't rush her back too fast. But um, no, it is it's absolutely fantastic having her on the corner. Excellent stuff. Well, look, I mean, your beloved Arsenal are top of the Premier League. You're uh, you're in charge of a Cork team heading into another National League final after a really positive campaign. I won't put it to you that things couldn't be going better at the moment for fear I jinx it, but um, your Cork and Cork Senior Camogie are in a good place right now, Matthew. Yeah, they are, yeah, and and, and probably more importantly, Arsenal are as well. So yeah. Hopefully, the red of London and the red of, uh, of Cork will be, be to the fourth this year. Well, as a Cork fan, I hope so. As a Spurs fan, we'll talk about it another day, as you well know. But listen, for now, Matthew Toomey, for half of every year in the big red bench, good luck against Galway in the National Hurling League final, Camogie League final, sorry. And uh, all the best in Crow Park, and thanks again for taking the time to speak to us. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure hearing uh, Matthew Toomey on the show, and uh, thanks indeed for Matthew for coming on uh, and talking to us ahead of tomorrow's clash with Galway in Croke Park. The very, very best, best of luck indeed to the Rebels uh, tomorrow. We'll be discussing that on tomorrow's show uh, from 6 p.m. Just to get you up to date on some other scores. Man City 3 0 up in Leicester still, 51 minutes on the clock there. Ireland won't be beating Italy or getting anything against Italy. Um, Italy have gotten another try at Italy 24 Ireland 7 in the women's Six Nations so that'll be three defeats uh, on the bounce for Ireland uh, in the Six Nations and there's just a couple of minutes left in that game there in the URC still 12 is peace between the Stormers and Munster Fermanagh and Derry it's Derry who won there uh, by 317 to 2-8 in the Ulster Football Championship and at the cross Cork City taking on P-Mount um, last couple of minutes left in that game there in that Women's National League game there it's Cork City 1 P-Mount 2 so looking another couple of minutes left for Cork City to try and snatch a draw there um, right now recently we wrapped up in our Hear Me Roar series where Valerie Mulcahy interviewed six inspiring sportsmen from Cork who had a special connection to Cork, the project funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Now, I had a ball working on this with uh, Valerie, the 10-time All-Ireland winner, um, six-time All-Star and just an absolute legend. It was genuinely some of the best radio I think I've been involved with over my years here at Cork. So I found Valerie just had this knack of putting our guests at ease and getting this open up and talk very honestly and openly about their careers and, and a lot more besides. In case you've missed them, what we've done is we've put them all online. All the episodes are now available. Uh, you can go to uh, redfm.ie forward slash hear me roar. Um, some incredible interviews. The last episode was with Claire Shine, two-parter, uh, the Irish International. We also heard from Sinead Puspure about the Olympics and, and representing Ireland moving off from Latvia. Um, we heard from Breach Cork. The stories Val and Breach had about their days playing with Cork. I could have listened to that for hours and hours and hours. That was a three-parter. There was just so much content from that. Also heard from Nikki Daly, uh, Irish hockey star and Olympian. Uh, heard from Louise Shanahan, the sprinter. And the very first episode was with uh, former professional golfer Lisa McGuire, and uh, who is now living in Cork, studying dentistry, was uh, Val's first guest on the show. Uh, so we're going to play a little part of that just to uh, kind of make, I suppose, encourage you to go back and listen to the series again. So this is uh, an excerpt from Valerie's conversation with former professional golfer Lisa McGuire. The first steps on Hear Me Roar. Go to redfm.ie, Hear Me Roar. Tear all the episodes back. Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. 
Lisa's twin sister Leona continues to play on the LPGA Tour, winning her first tour title last year, the Drive-On Championship in Florida. I asked Lisa, what is it like being constantly mistaken for a twin, as well as the intricacies of being a twin? At the moment, Leona's, you're probably compared to her, you can see yourself and her, but how, how do you deal with that on a day-to-day when you actually see yourself nearly in front of you? Um, and everything, maybe there's a comparison that's often made, or your family make without knowing it, or I don't know what you know the complexities yeah. that I must that must come with being a twin. Yeah, I suppose it's it's the question that people always ask is like, what is it like to be a twin? And I suppose my initial answer is, well, I, we don't know any different. And I suppose too, that's again what I've just said there. I I refer to things a lot as we, you know, we did this, we did that, we went here when we were here, and I suppose. Um, it's only in kind of more recent times that we've kind of the paths have kind of diverged slightly that you know it's I did this and I did that and she did this and she did that so I, I, that definitely takes takes a little bit of time to get used to but I think um, no I mean we we get on really well we still get on really well and I think kind of the way I talk and the way she still talks is just a byproduct of spending so much time together um, you know a lot of people think that we think the same and we kind of we tend to maybe finish each other's sentences but I think that's just a byproduct of like spending so much time with each other but um, no I suppose growing up we kind of we did everything together you kind of had that built in best friend and I suppose that was kind of the nice thing you never felt like you were going anywhere by yourself or you yeah. never felt you were kind of alone and that was a huge help when we kind of moved to the state over to college kind of you had someone with you everyone else was kind of homesick and whatever as far as we kind of had each other and it felt like normal you know yeah but did you ever want to just go do you know what I think I want a different experience I want to go somewhere else was that ever across your mind? I suppose it, it probably didn't at the time. Probably looking back on it now, I suppose my, would it have been a good thing? It might have been, you know. I suppose now, the last couple of years, I've kind of started more to figure out who I am rather than who we are, you know. Um, and I suppose that just takes time. And I suppose that's part and parcel of kind of growing up and and finding your own way. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely. I suppose if it hadn't have been the best option for college, it was the best option that I was the best college for golf. It was good for school, and um, so it just kind of. Did, fit that way but I suppose it would have been very interesting to see if you know if she'd have preferred to go to school on the west coast and I'd have preferred a school on the east coast I think we would have done it I think it would have been tough um, in the beginning I suppose but um, no it, it definitely sometimes I do think about it, it would have been an interesting sort of experience and see yeah. how it would have panned out Lisa announced her retirement in late 2019 in just her second year on the pro tour she had missed the schedule, along with frustrations about not being able to develop her game as much as she would have liked, led to her decision to retire. What made you say, look, I th- actually, I'm, I think I'm done? Yeah, I, I, I suppose it probably came, it was towards the end of, I think it was 2019 at this stage, and I, you know, had gone from week to week to week throughout Europe, kind of done a bit in the US, and I suppose, I remember when i come back from a, I think of playing in Spain maybe and come back to the room by myself and I was thinking I'd, I was after looking up the girl that I played with and she'd been out on tour for a number of years and she was I think she was 35 maybe and she'd been out on tour like 15 years or whatever and I could see what she was doing and like she was still playing away playing away doing her rest trying to rest and I was kind of like you know what I was like I don't want to be in that position I don't want to be you know in 15 years kind of banging my head against the wall and kind of having regrets that way so um 
you know it never got to a point some people get to a point where you know they resent the game and they resent everything they've put into it and feel like it was a waste of their time I suppose I never got to that to that point and I kind of always promised myself that I wouldn't get to the, that point that I wouldn't get to a point where I was like I absolutely hate this and I absolutely resent the people that you know did so much for me and you know when I got to the point where I was like you know what there is you know there's life outside of golf there's life beyond golf and I can be happy doing other things um you know, it came to that point where I was like, you know, I, I do need to step away from kind of my own sake before I kind of bury myself into a hole that I'm not going to get out of. So, um, no, and I suppose it kind of came around quite quickly. I played um, the World Invitational in Galgorm and I was kind of like, you know what, this is this is a nice one to finish on. And it's probably, it was one of the events that I enjoyed the most you know, in in the series of those years was the was kind of the last one. I felt like I could enjoy it a little bit more. I kind of felt like there was less pressure off and just kind of enjoyed the walk kind of as it was. What do you think your biggest strength was as a player? Not in terms of, like, say, putting, which I know mm. you're very strong at. Um, but what was your biggest strength? Um, I suppose just... The, even going back like day in day out just getting up the next day and kind of going back at it again I suppose there was a game like off the loves be more bad days than good days the loves be more bad shots than good shots but being able to you know yesterday was a bad day not a good day and still getting up the next morning perseverance like, yeah exactly yeah. yeah having another go and thinking that it's still only one shot away Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee yeah really good stuff uh, throughout that entire series to be perfectly honest about it and uh, you can listen to all the episodes of Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy on redfm.ie forward slash hear me roar. Um, right, going to get a full-time report from Derry and Armagh where Ashley O'Reilly was watching. Full-time here at Brewster Park. Not the championship atmosphere you would expect, but the game did start to come to life for moments of that second half. It finished Derry 3-17 for Manor 2-8. Derry led by 10 at the break with goals in the first half from Derry, Shane McGuigan and Paul Cassidy. Brendan Rogers opened the scoring of the second half with his first from play. Olsen Kem had a moment of individual brilliance with a huge score from play to get Fermanagh up and running in that second half. With fullback Shea Cullen giving Fermanagh some hope when he buried the ball into the back of the net. But that was short-lived when Derry broke from the kick-out at pace and won a penalty with Shane McGuigan putting a low and hard into the left-hand corner. It was like deja vu when minutes later, once again, fullback Shea Cullen found himself in the full forward line in a goal-scoring opportunity and he made no mistake and got his second. Fermanagh trailed then by six points, but in the end, it was a comfortable start to the beginning of the championship for Derry as they eased to victory by 12 points. Derry will now face either Monaghan or Tyrone in the Ulster semi-final. It finished Derry 3-17, Fermanagh 2-8. Manchester City still leading Leicester by three goals to nil. Yeah, now we're on the clock there. And uh, the Ireland women's rugby team beaten 24-7 by Italy. A difficult win, or a difficult night, I should say, for Ireland in Parma. Still winless in Six Nations. Three defeats on the bounce. Italy's first win of the tournament. And the URC, uh, Munster are 19-12 up on the uh, Stormers. Um, Shane Daly uh, getting the try there on 57 minutes. So it's uh, Stormers 12, Munster 19 is how things stand there. And uh, Cork City women's were in action today against 
Piemont, excuse me. Um, they were playing at Turner's Cross and uh, full time there. A good second half from the city, but it's Piemont who hold on to get the win. It's finished Cork City 1, Piemont 2 was how that finished. All right, uh, Cork players and coaches uh, celebrating after picking up prestigious end of season basketball awards. A clean sweep for Cork in the men's Super League. Carola Sullivan of Emporium Cork basketball winning coach of the year. UCC Demons pair MJ Randolph and James Hannigan winning player of the year and coach of the year respectively. In the men's Division 1, um, the awards went to Diego Hurley of uh, Cork's uh, Father Matthews of Dwyer's of Cork Father Matthews excuse me he was named Young Player of the Year Cork Connor Sullivan playing for Ulster University named Player of the Year in the Women's Super League Brittany Bird of the Address UCC Glamour winning Player of the Year Coach of the Year awarded to Glamour's Mark Scannell George been speaking to Mark about an incredible year for his side the 2023 uh, Champions Trophy winners adding it to their Super League title are none other than the address UCC Glanmire. A fantastic end to what has been a terrific season. We're delighted to be joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by head coach Mark Scannell. Mark, first of all, congratulations. Uh, another trophy. No better way to end, end the season. Yeah, we're very we're very happy. We had, a great, um, we had a great end to the season. You know, to be playing in the last game of the year, is always kind of a goal of ours, no matter what the trophy is. You know, it always means that you know the team is stuck together and kind of peaked at the right time. So we were delighted to win the Super League and we're, we're thrilled to, to add the Champions Trophy to it. Before we just talk about the overall achievements this season, DCU Mercy always give you uh, a tough game. That was uh, not same again this past weekend. Winning 88-77 doesn't tell the full story. But how, how pleased were you with your full team's performance? Not just Brittany Bird who scored 33 points, but just the whole team's effort. Well, I'm delighted. I mean, this team, this team evolved so so brilliantly over the year. Like at the start of the season, we, we lost six players, you know, mm. and uh, a lot of people had us well written off. And you know, I wasn't going into the, into the season with any great expectations. I always knew we'd be good, but I didn't think we'd be this good, you know. Um, Brittany Bard and Kyrika Rashid have been fantastic for the team, you know, and they've come in and they've given us a, a great um, kind of base to work from. Um, I mean, I have to credit uh, Ronan O'Sullivan because, like, we've been chasing Brittany for the last two or three years, and uh, we kind of never got her over the line. But Ronan really went to bat over the summer, and you know, he spoke with her agent at length, and we couldn't afford her, and we can't afford her. She's worth way more money than she'll ever get in Ireland. Um, but we promised her one thing: we said if she comes to Ireland, that she'd be the best player in the league, and she was. And um, and we told her that she'd win some trophies and that she'd get a higher profile and hopefully that would get her maybe bigger and better offers down the road uh, in Europe. So that worked out really well for Brittany. Um, but she became like she became part of a very good nucleus of a team. Claire O'Sullivan got back to her best um, after having Emma there a few months ago. Obviously, she's nearly a year old now. But but Claire came back and just before Christmas it was very difficult for her. But she was she was really good for us like in in January, February, March. Brilliant. And then Anya just brings all that experience. And then the younger girls really stepped up. So we're delighted. We're delighted with the way the team has evolved. We've got it. We've made the team younger by still keeping our, our experienced veteran superstars, really, because they are. Like, I mean, what Anya and Claire have been doing for the last 12 years is just off the charts. So it's, it's great. It's great for Glamour. It's great for the club. Um, and, you know, long may it continue. 
It certainly is, Mark. And part of that success, as you've mentioned, is not just the experienced players, but it's the, the newcomers, the likes of Mia Furlong, Amy Dooley, Abby Furlong, Annalise Murphy. I, c- I could name them all out, Simone, Simone O'Shea. They've all contributed at different times of the season. And that must give you and, and the backroom team a huge sense of satisfaction that, you know, you weren't overly reliant on one player throughout this year or even two. It was a real team effort. No, we never are, you know, and that's like our bench is always very decent. And the biggest problem in Glanmire at times is that our younger players don't get enough time on the floor. Basketball is funny that way, in that you know the, the quarters are so short, and you know the, the, the expectations are so high. And then with the way the league format is, you can't really afford to slip up, you know, because if you do, you know, you 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 obviously can be behind the eight ball, and it's very hard to catch up. Um, so at times the younger players don't get the like why well, see them every night training and I have absolutely no fear with those girls like uh, going forward they're going to be really good like we finished the game on Sunday with four under 23s on the floor you know um, and it was just incredible the way they performed Amy fouled out you know um, late in the game so did Mia and then Simone and Elise came in with, with and then, then you know we had Brittany and Anya and Cry on with them and it was it was just incredible to watch. You know, there was times last Sunday, I watched the game actually yesterday again and I was just so happy for all of those younger players. That's a great conversation with Mark Scanlon. They're running out of times, can't play you all of it. But if you want to hear all of it, you can listen to it on the Women in Sport podcast with John McCarthy. You can find it at redfm.e for sport or um, you can download the Big Red Bench podcast uh, from wherever you get your podcasts. That's it from us. Thanks very much indeed for tuning in to us on this Saturday evening. Back tomorrow from 6. TV's up next. Enjoy our Saturday, folks. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.